Hi, this is Hava Vitsa, Head of Content and Community with Change Engine. I'm your host of Pep Talks, our people programs podcast, where we speak with people leaders across industries. We'll discuss their challenges, how they've overcome them, and what they're working on now. We hope to inspire the next generation of leaders focused on fostering empathetic and human-first organizations. On today's Pep Talk, I have Tushar Pandit, who is the former CPO at Affinitive, a leading provider of data-driven marketing and software solutions in the automotive industry. This episode was recorded earlier this year during his time there. He recently switched gears to join the small growing startup Rebuilt. Tushar brings 20 plus years of experience in human resources to grow and influence people and culture. Today, he's joining us from Dallas. And I want to send a big welcome and hope that you're keeping warm in Dallas, which you've just told me is really freezing right now. So hi, Tushar. Welcome to the show. Thank you again for being here. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the kind words and the invite, and I'm looking forward to uh, our discussion. Me too. Um, This is going to be a good one today. So I know I've just provided a a brief intro for our audience, but I'd love to hear from you. Could you briefly describe your background and your experience in the people and culture space in your own words? Sure. I've been doing this for all these years. And I like to say that because uh, I think it just sounds better than quantifying it, you know, Uh, I don't want to age myself here. But uh, tremendously grateful uh, that I'm in the the business of people. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've always said is that uh, it's the people within our organizations that actually allow us to achieve success. It's not uh, an Apple or uh, or a PC. Uh, those are great enablers and we need them, uh, but it's the creativity of our people that actually allows us to do the great things that we do in every organization. Um, I've been very fortunate enough where I've gotten to uh, touch talent acquisitions, uh, including the platforms, why we bring people on board, talent branding, to uh, uh, being a people partner, employee experience, total rewards, uh, learning and management, uh, talent development, uh, diversity, and building out a culture of belonging. So pretty much every single pillar within the the people uh, space uh, I've had the uh, opportunity of working in, uh, touching, creating, building out, uh, and above all, having a great people team uh, because they are the smart ones, as I always say, uh, and they are truly passionate professionals who help our vision and strategies come to realization to take care of our customers who are our team members and leaders. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. I love that the the excitement that you bring to the industry. Um, you know, in our intro calls, we we talked so much about um, just the past few years, um, and yeah, again, like being very people centric because we have people like people are literally um, the blood of your company. <laughs> you like that is that is it. Um, without them, we would be you know. We, you can't run a business. So I'm really excited because, and I want to, I want to just dive right in. I want to talk about an affinitive because, um, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, you shared that your team very early on pivoted to a fully remote workforce and then decided fairly early on to remain remote. So that couldn't have been easy. Um, can you tell me about how you reached that decision with your team? Uh, sure. So uh, I'll let, uh, you know, that decision uh, had a couple of phases that we uh-huh. started to move forward. So let's begin uh, really at the start of the pandemic. And I f- consider that to be March 2020. Uh, two key things happened in the first week of March. 
I still remember this because I'm a huge basketball fan. When the NBA made the first announcement, and then literally in a span of 28 hours, uh, mayors of several cities, including Chicago's mayor, uh, announcing that uh, city, state uh, orders were now going to be coming into play. Now, lucky for us to a certain extent, and you know, we had actually run a couple of experiments a couple of weeks prior with a few of our campuses. And even when that was happening, uh, people were like, hold on a second, are we getting a little too, you know, overly cautious? Uh, there's perhaps too much hype in the media. We really should not have to worry about it. And I still remember one of uh, my peers actually saying, hey, you know what, we kind of, uh, I mean, we know Tashar is originally from Toronto and uh, Toronto had gone through SARS. Uh, so, you know, for him to have said, let's just be a little cautious and ready because this is even different from his experience, maybe we should pay attention. And it actually worked out because two weeks later, boom, we started to see what COVID uh, really started to do. And so by that time, we had already run our prep tests. And what I mean by that is we had asked teams to be fully ready uh, in preparation mode in the case that they had to be operating from home via the laptop. So we had actually told people, hey, if you think you need to take a few things in home, start taking it now, because it may just really be part of uh, this process that we're doing. And that is really to be re uh, prepared in the case this remote works. Now, secondly, also for us, we actually have teams that have been doing uh, in uh, prep mode. And the reason for this is because we have campuses in Texas and we have campuses in Florida. So anyone in the Southern Belt to a certain extent that is hurricane prone is used to, to this because God forbid a hurricane arrives, but it is hurricane season for a lot of the states. You will want to be ready for these and, and you have to be ready to be down as an on-site location for up to a maximum of two weeks. So what do you do? Business still needs to continue on. So we, as a business, had already got that contingency planning, but this time around, we really were making sure that it was going to be for a long-term aspect. COVID arrives, we all get into the mode, and we inform the entire organization that we are going to be working uh, remotely uh, from now on until we'll see what happens. I would say that most of the people thought that that was going to last for 30 days, 60 days, maybe 90 days. At that point, I still remember we were like, oh, this will go away because no one has experienced a pandemic. There is no playbook available for anyone. And as COVID's life, as I call it, started to evolve, now by the summertime, everyone started to say, this is a pandemic. This is not going away. And unfortunately, as we all have experienced firsthand, the death count started to really take effect, which has impacted all of us uh, directly and directly globally. The other thing then at the same time, uh, I still remember these discussions we were having, uh, we started to realize commercial real estate. And so we have nine campuses across the United States plus our uh, campus in India. And uh, the CFO and I we were talking about a lot of this stuff. And I said, I think at some point in time, we may just have to start looking at being permanently remote. And I still remember his reaction. And he said, you must be out of your mind. Uh, and I said, I'm not kidding. I, I truly think that this is going to be something 
that is going to become the new norm. And we should try to do what we need to do to perhaps come out of our real estate leases. And what I mean by that is we need to be considering subleasing because you just can't come out of a lease. That's just a fact. Uh, and commercial leases are five years or 10 years. And so we, we further talked about it. I still recall did a little bit of research and I started hearing some companies were doing the same thing as well because you are paying out monthly lease payments, but three months have gone by, four months have now gone by, but no one's on campus. No one can come on campus. People were very afraid. And for us, the very first thing that we made a commitment as an ELT, people's health and safety was always going to be top priority. And we communicated with the teams on a weekly basis. And, I, and with every single communication that we started, that was our opening line. Your health and your safety is a top priority for us. And I was pleased that we did it that way because it was very important for our leadership team to let our people know our organization's important. Of course, our customers are top priority, uh, but you as our team members are also our top priority. And we do not want to be uh, in a place where there can be potential risk um, to your health. And then uh, in September and in October, uh, we were having our meetings and I, I started to bring this, what we eventually coined as work from here. And I'll get into that in a moment uh, of why we want to, we should head down this path that being remote uh, should be our focus. By this point in time, we were already remote. We were meeting our deadlines. Uh, today, we, do, we have not missed any customer deliverables. Uh, people were now used to this new norm. And that in itself was a new challenge. And I can talk about that as well, if you'd like to know. Uh, and we just continued on having many discussions. We debated it. Uh, I've always asked uh, certainly my team and my peers to, as I like to call, poke holes, because let's find out what could go wrong now and let's try to resolve it. And what that allowed us to do, and, my, and this is, again, a huge credit to my team, we designed toolkits. So we designed these toolkits as a leader for, from the lens of a leader. We designed these toolkits uh, for, uh, for associates and team members in their lens. What does it mean to be working from remote? And what does it mean? What does it not mean? How do we? And so we really built up the content so that we could really arm uh, our team members and leaders with FAQs, information, what's going to be acceptable, what's not going to be acceptable, and, and be aware uh, for all of that. And then as an executive leadership team, we made the decision uh, in October, uh, going into November of 2020, that we were going to become a permanently work from here uh, organization. And we announced it uh, to the uh, company in uh, December. Now, why do I call it work from here? The reason why we did is because we wanted to, we knew eventually hybrid will happen and we wanted to give that flexibility because again, as I stated earlier, we are all across the US. Some states are very strong about uh, rules and some states were flexible about rules, but we wanted to give a choice. You want to work from home? 
go ahead. You want to go and work at the campus? If it's open and not under a, a, a city order, you can. You want to work from your backyard? Sure. You want to work from Starbucks? And that's why we did not call it work from home. We called it work from here. The other aspect of it is more and more, which I always encourage our leaders to do is we need to place a focus with our teams who we implicitly trust on the quality of the work, the work product, the collaboration. Let's stop emphasizing the actual work is performed Monday to Friday, eight to five in a cube. I think if you say that more than ever before now to any individual, you really are going to get some rolled eyes and all the studies have now backed this up. I just saw another one two days ago that I shared with the ELT that uh, has come from the forum. They ran a comprehensive study of over 10,000 people that they spoke with that validated teams that are remote are highly engaged, highly productive, uh, and feel that they are more contributing uh, to the work that they have. Uh, so that's how we launched Work From Here. The vaccinations had not even been uh, rolled out. Uh, we got a lot of positive feedback from our team. Uh, both leaders and team members perhaps were surprised that we took a really clear-cut uh, a decision to say that we are going to be a work from here organization and we will continue on to be a work from here organization um, until the time arrives. And my definition of when the time arrives is when the pandemic will be truly managed globally. Um, we had to go through a lot of coaching sessions, a lot of training sessions. The sales team was excited because sales teams in general for all companies are remote because they travel. But we had to help people realize what working from home is. Also, this was the time where daycares were shutting down, schools were shutting down. So we really had to help our teams by helping them realize what this meant because many people have never worked from home until this pandemic. And we started shifting, thank you to Zoom, uh, like many organizations in having and telling the organization, it's okay to have your kids in the background. It's okay to have your pets. Let's do lunches with pets and families. And that allowed our people to start to get comfortable and also leaders to say, we have to be much more empathetic. We have to be much more uh, willing for people to realize that this is a new world. And people's hands were tied. It's not like people want uh, background noise. They just don't have a choice. Schools were not open. Daycares were not open. You could not send your kids to your parents or your in-laws. All of those things that were what I call cold expectations, they don't exist anymore. And so adapting, pivoting to business, being flexible, what I've told people being forgiving is extremely uh, is extremely important and that's uh, and should be part of every organization. Again, I'm still talking 20, end of 2020 and beginning of 2021. Um, and uh, I, I would say the best, just to wrap up this specific thing, and if uh, anyone has not read it, I highly recommend. This is by far one of the best articles that I have ever read. 
And it's a tremendous kudos to Adam Grant, who I consider is one of the brilliant organizational psychologists uh, of our time. He's a tenured prof with uh, Wharton. He wrote the article Languishing uh, for the New York uh, Times. And that described what every single human being personally and professionally has gone through in this pandemic. And if you have not read it, I highly recommend everyone to read it because it just spoke so much to us in what we go through personally and professionally and what we have had to endure in this uh, pandemic. I loved that article. I think that that article was sent amongst all of my work groups, my friend groups and text messages and, you know, all over social media and just absolutely everywhere. Um, and I agree with you. I, I think that that uh, feeling, that languishing is something that everyone has gone through. And so, you know, so early on, you know, you and the Affinitive team made these decisions. I, I mean, you know, there were there were a handful right of organizations that I think very early on with, you know, in line with Affinitive decided to go fully remote. Um, and you decided to, again, put your employees health first to, you know, um, normalize or make it OK and comfortable for employees to come to work wherever they were, right, <laughs> at home or in a coffee shop and say, it's okay to have noise going on in the background. It's okay if a siren goes by. It's okay if, you know, a barista yells out in the background. It's like, we're making it work with, you know, what we have what we have available to us today. Um, and I'm wondering though, you know, what was the impact of this transition? Because it was something that you started, you know, thinking about in the summer of 2020, then we're thinking all the way December is when you actually made the announcement. Um, you did so much work um, on the back end to um, with your leadership to to um, really create this environment where employees understood what they needed to do, how we would work from home, taking all of those very thoughtful and intentional steps forward. Um, and so once that happened, and perhaps this is a large, uh, a bit of a loaded question to answer, but what really did you feel um, was the impact of this transition, both good and bad, you know, responses from employees, metrics, you know, everything, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not for everyone. Uh, I would say that uh, we had to help teams get comfortable with uh, the, the concept of working from here, uh, just getting, you know, and I went through this myself and I still laugh about this. And what I mean by that is until uh, I have started working from here through this, I never truly realized how loud leaf blowers are. Oh my goodness. And I know we all laugh about it, but you're always in a meeting Yep. And <laughs> literally, it's important. I think we all have appreciated why landscaping matters now. But, you know, prior to this, I used to be in a skyscraper on whatever floor we were, 9 and 17. You never hear those things. And that is where, you know, there's a concept in marketing called permission marketing. And I've always converted it over to a certain extent to help when we are coaching and uh, doing leadership development sessions called permission leadership. That's what my team and I focused on. We just started giving permission. 
And that really started building comfort that it's okay. You know what? Yeah, your dog will bark when there's a delivery from Amazon or FedEx or UPS. Uh, That's okay. It lasts for 30 seconds and let's just continue on. We quickly go on mute and we very quickly were flipping over where someone else would then start speaking. And I think that that's what people were looking for. What happens? Will I get in trouble? Mm -hmm. And the reason why I say that is because, uh, you know, historically, that would have been frowned upon by organizations or in teams. Uh, You know, people would not have been so forgiving or accepting of that background noise. And the reason why it is now, I, I would say, is because people just don't have a choice. What are we going to do with this pandemic? Stop working? <laughs> you know, and I don't mean that in a cheek way to say that businesses can't just shut down. And we all saw what was happening when businesses were told you can't be open for two or three weeks. Um, and, and you want to talk about resilience and perseverance and how well the hospitality industry and the airline industries have had to come up. So for that has been a, a, a huge learning for all of us. Uh, we still have people who have said to us, hey, you know, uh, I've spoken with our customer. They want us to see us there. We're going to travel. And we were like, okay, but be very cautious. Be, take all the precautions. And so we were allowing that flexibility because our customers wanted to meet our teams because we are, we are, we are very much a, a, a B2B, but customer direct facing organization. Uh, so that has been a learning uh, opportunity for all of us on how we did that. We then also had people who are saying, I appreciate this flexibility, but I, I need to be away because I just need that space. And, and we all saw this. People are like, wow, I've never spent this much time with my family. I just need some breathing room. And so that's what we have always stated. And that's why we, we, when we launched this program, we said they are going, it, it's a comprehensive hybrid program. And for us, what we want to be able to do, we also indicated it that when things were fine, and now I'm talking about the summer of 2021, when the vaccination programs had been in place, when this is all pro- before, um, you know, uh, Delta was kicking in prior to uh, Omicron as well we did have team leaders bringing the teams back together. And that's what we had always stated it, that that hybrid will always be there because we want to bring our people back together. We Team meetings are very important. Uh, the dynamics of the team, building that culture is critical. And so that's where the hybrid flexibility has really worked until these new variants started coming in um, when then that stopped as well. And so our team has always known that I will have to come in to build uh, for team meetings. I will have to come in for our quarterly town halls because we want to build a camaraderie and people miss that. That was a feedback we were getting. We completely understand. Uh, thank you for taking uh, our, our safety in mind, but I miss having lunch with my peers. Mm-hmm. I can't have coffee anymore. And that's what has been the negative, if I can say that, about this great program that we have because it has completely stopped all of that for so many of us, you know, my, my colleagues, my friends, my network. Uh, and we talk about this as a team. One of the things that I took for granted was breaking bread before this pandemic. 
I'm never ever going to take that for uh, granted again, because I do miss having those leadership offsides. I do miss bringing my team together where we would sit and you go for drinks after, or you, uh, Chipotle is a big thing for my, my team. <laughs> those memories are memories for us. And the sooner and faster uh, this pandemic is managed, a lot of us can't wait to come back and restart those memories and experiences because those were things that are very important to my team and I and, and people in general. And so that's why we are excited about making sure that this work from here becomes a comprehensive hybrid program. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will always, we will never be that Monday to Friday, eight to five, everyone has a workstation and offices. We have shrunk our space, uh, but we are always, always going to have team meetings, leadership meetings, and our our hands-on, our quarterlies, because we want that interaction uh, for people, by people, because we all are missing it. Yeah, I mean, I can appreciate that quite a bit. I'm, you know, I'm actually lucky enough that as a part of work from home, I have uh, I have made friends in my my apartment building. So it's funny in ways for me. I I get that kind of water cooler chat, you might say, right? Where I'm like, hey, you know what? I need to get out for a walk. Let's grab a coffee. And I actually have that. Um, but that is, you know, but but I only, I've only, I met them probably oh, just about a year ago. So this is relatively new. The first year of the pandemic, I didn't have this. Um, and you do miss that social connection. Um, so it sounds like, you know, many months later, so I mean, many months, we're years now, right? Um, the company is now shifting to that hybrid model. Um, it's fully remote, but it's flexible with some in-person requirements like the all hands. And um, it sounds like to me, uh, some of what prompted the changes was a lot of employee feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me more about, you know, um, what, you know, how you solicited feedback was that from leadership? Did it come from lots of of, of tears within the organization? Um, and and you know, and how are you continuing to kind of adapt as 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 things grow <laughs> and change? Yeah, it's all of the above. That's how we did it. Uh, we were seeking feedback from associates. We were seeking feedback from uh, all leadership levels. Uh, and, and we have always committed that we will continue to seek that. And, and the reason for that is things are changing and they will always continue to change. But the, the element that is the core, irrespective of whether uh, there is disruption and time and technology and all of that is, COVID is at the center. Mm-hmm. You know, so my visualization in this is just look at any football field or ice rink or whatever the sport is, it's right in the center. And it happens to be, uh, you know, at least I'm a visual person. And so I try to put in analogies because I try to see how this is going to be. And I see COVID as this octopus. I hope no one's going to get offended by this with many <laughs> different tentacles. And the reason why I say that is because we just don't know what's going to happen. And 21 proved that without hands down. I mean, we finally thought that we were able to vaccination started. So that was winter and spring. Then Delta arrived, which just, okay. So then we finally got through all of that. And then towards the the middle and the end of summer, we all were starting to breathe. And then you see going into the fall and then Omicron came. And when Omicron arrived, it was a span of five weeks. It arrived in Thanksgiving. And you saw what happened on December 25th and 26th, which is barely a month as well. 
And so that's why you just don't know what's going to happen. And so we, we are planning for things that we know that we can do, but we're not setting it in such a way because we need to be able to pivot very, very quickly. And when we are able to do that, that's why we have not come away from the remote as well, because mm-hmm. everything started shutting down pretty much again, if not, uh, where you just don't want to. And, and people have given us continuous feedback. I'm not comfortable. I'm not willing to take a risk. You know, we had leaders who are saying, can I opt out of traveling? And we have said, yes, you can. We don't want you to travel. Even now, some leaders are like, because the pandemic is still in a place and and all you have to do is go and speak to anyone who has kids under the age of five. You cannot vaccinate them. And so we have told our people, you've got to do what works for you. And if you know someone else is willing to travel, okay, then maybe they can, or it's okay to have a Zoom meeting. We Part of this journey has also helped us to help and raise awareness in our partnership with our customers. Being on site or visiting you does mean Zoom now. It doesn't mean physical. And until this pandemic is managed, and that's how I have always approached this along with our ELT, we are not making any set new program or policies or guidelines because I want us to have the flexibility because we just don't know what's going to happen. And and I think that we all realized that when Omicron came in, because this second variant or thought or whatever, I don't even know what the counts are. <laughs> it just clearly just told us that you cannot create a plan because you just don't know what tomorrow is going to be mm-hmm. or, or, or what, what will it bring. And our people continuously keep telling us that my health and safety is important. Now, the other aspect of it is, you know, we hired 161 people in 2021 in our organization externally. Uh, All remote-based, we hire you on Zoom, we onboard you on Zoom, we make you live on Zoom. You know, again, and these are just, I sit back about here and with my team and we're trying to find out, okay, what worked, what didn't work, how can we change this? How can we make it better? What may, That's all program management, all check. But my question is, can you imagine if you and I were having a discussion before 2020 and I told you that? Chances are you probably be like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, uh, right. Why are you guys relying so much on this technology? Like mm-hmm. those are the looks that all of us would have had, we would have had that. And in hiring all of these people, going through the process, okay, we have hired 161, but you know, I mean, you're at least minimum looking at two to three candidates before you make a selection. That feedback was coming back to us through our candidate experience service that we were running, where candidates were like, wow, I can't believe that you guys as an organization have already taken a very clear position on that. That was another set of feedback that's coming through. We touch base with them after 30 days and we touch base with them again in after 90 days when we run our NPS uh, measures. And that's the feedback that's been coming in. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for this, right? So we are touching everything. Part of all of this is also we are a network of companies and so we were exchanging data and information amongst uh, as well to validate, uh, going back in, 
I'm part of the CPQ uh, roundtable groups as well. So seeing what other organizations, their feedback loops, we were incorporating all of this. And, um, you know, we've got teams like many different organizations and we as the executive leadership team are very actively engaged. So we mm-hmm. want to hear directly and people giving feedback. So long-winded way plus surveys, um, but we are always continuously making sure we are uh, what I like to call seeking feedback before we do anything or make changes uh, because it's important for us to know that it's going to matter and it's relevant, again, to our customers who are our team members and our leaders. To me, it sounds like, and, and well, you even mentioned it a couple of times where you, you ran experiments internally to see if things might work. So even it, very early on in, in the pandemic, you said you you know, prior to everyone going remotely, some of your teams remotely. So it sounds like your team overall has this um, approach that everyone is like looking at this, like as if, you know, let's experiment, let's see what works. Let's take what works, keep doing that. And the things that really not working, let's quickly adapt in, in, in a way. And, and that, um, you know, I do think that's that's relatively unique, right? I think that companies are trying to figure out how to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. So I want to pose a question to you. So every variant, we you you mentioned it, right? Every variant we have with coronavirus seems to set teams back again, and employees are you know employees are frustrated, people are frustrated um, because you know it's difficult to to make a decision and then. Omicron comes or gosh only knows what other variant. What would be your advice to companies that are that are struggling with their return to office plans, um, but rather to position in another way? How would you advise companies to get out of their comfort zone and experience or rather e- e- experiment with a a new a new way that's unknown? <laughs> Great question. Uh, so I'll answer that in a, a multiple facets. The first thing I would say is, and this is a credit to uh, truly the, the tech industry, mm-hmm. uh, this concept of fail fast, uh, failures are positive, they are learning experiences. Uh, and I've just followed that as well. Uh, I like experiments. I think that's how you grow and develop. It doesn't work. Let's fix it uh, and uh, let's uh, reissue it. And if it's completely gone, then okay, that's okay. But at least we tried something. Uh, you always need to have uh, relevant data to back up why you're going to try something. But we need to be more comfortable. You know, a, a great leader uh, that uh, uh, that I've always worked for is, and it's part of the VUCA model, which is a leadership model. More than ever before now, in 2022 and into the future, every leader at the end of the day has got to be very comfortable with ambiguity and not knowing what's coming down the pike. Um, there's going to be a curveball. Uh, you have to be cool, calm, but you have to be able to address it. So fail fast. Don't be afraid about something going wrong. Now, don't go creating disasters. I don't want anyone walking away and thinking that, you know what, it's okay to do whatever you want. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm simply saying is um, look at the problem. What are we looking to solve for? We may have to try this and and set those expectations. Tell everyone, be upfront that this is an experiment. It may work, it may not. And if it doesn't, we'll come back and resolve it. Uh, but be very comfortable in doing it. And people are okay with that. People truly are. As long as you've set the right expectations, you've let them know what you're trying to do. Forgiveness is not a negative thing. 
And I think that those, again, I go back to what I started uh, with a little earlier, organizations have got to start being accepting of behaviors and new norms that perhaps in the traditional uh, organizational cultural norms were not okay with. Uh, you know, I don't think that there is any leader today who can say that uh, he or she can be successful without being empathetic. I just would really like to speak to them and find out how do you think you can achieve that? Uh, you know, people know we don't know what's coming tomorrow. And so embrace it, be comfortable with it, uh, embed it into your communications, into your talk track as leaders. And when I say that, I also include organizations and be comfortable. Uh, there's nothing wrong uh, in trying things that are going to be very unique. Also, all, there's not uh, always look at best practices, find out what other organizations and other industries are and try to borrow a little bit. You don't have to go and implement every single thing. Look, the reality about this is if you're in the healthcare industry, and I'm not an expert in there, but you can't have work from here because that industry is about patient care and it needs to be in person. Work from here will not apply there, but there may be some things that may happen that maybe you may be able to borrow. Uh, and that's how my advice to organizations would be uh, and, and for us as chief people officers and the people teams, our companies and our people and our leaders are looking at us to say, what are you bringing to the table that we need to be able to? Our stakeholders deliverables have expanded right from our uh, stakeholders, uh, shareholders, to our board, to the executive leadership team, to all of our leadership teams, to our associates, to uh, having an impact in our communities, in our societies, talent branding. You just, the layers of the cake, as I say, are just getting higher and higher and higher. And we need to be able to do our very best. And when we take care of our people, things will start falling into place. And what I also say and see is firsthand, our customers are going to be very, very supportive of that as well, because they are in the same boat. And uh, when you have that, to me, then there is nothing that you can't uh, solve for, especially in a business context. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that you're also providing such an excellent example to your customers, the other folks that are in your industry, um, the more that you can think through, um, you know, accepting behaviors, like you said, giving permission, um, looking elsewhere for, for elsewhere for best practices, like you said, in the healthcare, um, in just embracing the unknown. Um, I, and then, and then, yeah. And then making sure that leaders have ambiguity and be, are, are rather okay with it. That's what, I, um, all of those things are, I think, excellent, um, piece of pieces of advice for companies that are looking at like, well, what do I need to do? Um, how about, can I just add one more point to that? Uh, absolutely. As well. Um, yeah. and I would say that the, the aspect of all of this comes down to, and I'm going to caveat this as my my perspectives. I so that there can be disagreements with that, and that's okay too. 
Of course. Because there is no playbook, there is no reference material in managing through a pandemic. What the reason why we continue to uh, still, and then we will be a work from here is because I tie it back to what I talked about languishing, right? So when you mm-hmm. talk about a specific day when your teams have to come back, we all are human beings. We all have emotions. There is angst associated with that. Mm-hmm. Most of our organizations have parents. And so when Omicron came in, you now just got to see the cancellations happening again. And once again, our parents had, now I don't have daycare. Can I send them to my kids? I will, to my parents? I really appreciated hearing the feedback from our people because that feedback is what has stayed with us if you can try to influence not creating unnecessary angst in people's lives, do whatever you can to influence that in a positive way. Absolutely. Which is why we as an organization have not taken a stand, a very set line. We did not say we are coming back after July. We did not say we are coming back after September. Uh, and we're not saying when we're coming back. We don't know. And I don't even know if we're going to be able to come back. What my, my point in all of this is, we have so much in our personal lives because of this pandemic. Let's just do our very best in not adding anything unnecessarily if we can. And that's why I go back and refer to that languishing article because it continues to be a good guiding light and a reference for all of us in what we need to do. And not, I, I like, in, in terms of not creating more stress, you're trying to create an environment of belonging. You're trying to create an environment where people can um, succeed and flourish. And yes, a part of that is, is well, let's not add to the stress by saying, hey, you need to be back to the office on February 1st when that is like a moving target and then it changes to February 15th and then it changes to April. Um, so... I think that one follow-up question I have, and I know we're running low on time, but one follow-up question I have is, is do you think, or or have you seen it all that almost, um, I think that some some folks are, are very deadline driven or they want a date, they want an answer because they want to know, you know, what's coming next. Uh, have you found at all that there are some employees or teammates that really want a date because it would make them feel comfortable. Like this is a totally different, a totally different perspective, but um, I'd love to know if you have heard that where folks want to know what is happening and like, what can you possibly tell them? <laughs> Absolutely. We do. We have a few people who do want to walk around work at campuses and, and they've been telling us and we have said, look, we, we, we do not have a date. And that's, we have, yeah. we have said that from day one and we're going to continue to say that, right. If, yeah. if the campus is open you are comfortable, which when we say the campus is open, not because we are closing it, if there's a city order or a state order, we are always going to comply with uh, all the regulations set by city, state, and uh, uh, federal as well. But if it is available and it's open and you're comfortable, you're more than welcome to go ahead and work there. Uh, But again, all of our protocols have to be uh, managed as well. So no one's sitting close by, masks, the full works, all of that is there as well. Right. But yes, we do have talent uh, and people <laughs> saying, I want to go back. I need to go back. Give us a date. And we are like, we do not have a date. And yep. uh, you know what? That 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 helps uh, most of our people. But uh, it goes back to this is why for us work from here is uh, critical because we just don't know. 
Could you just, yeah, you just don't know. I think the biggest lesson that all of us are coming away from this is that we do have to be relatively comfortable with the unknown, right? We have, and, and being uncomfortable, um, control what we can and that what we can't just let go of, right? A little bit. I know that long time saying. Um, so um, I have one last question for you, um, which is, you have a very strong relationship with your with your with your leadership team um, and your your counterparts, um, but I want to know across you know if you were speaking to C suite across industries or across any you know anywhere across the globe if you want if you could ask one thing from the C suite right now um, for them to do for them to say for them whatever it might be what what would it be Oh wow uh, there's a question. I would say pretty much the same things that uh, I think I've covered already because we had those discussions, right? I mean, uh, my uh, having a team, especially at the executive team level, it's always about what's the best idea, what's the right thing to do, not who's coming up with it Mm -hmm. and challenging each other respectfully, right? Poking holes. What happens here if we do this? What happens that? How will it work? You know, how will our customers get serviced? Uh, is there a cost associated with it? We've got to be able to have those open, honest discussions where it is debate focused, where it is challenged, where it is about finding the best solutions. And my encouragement would be that if those open, honest discussions are not happening, then you should allow for that. Try different things. You know, one of my favorite people to look up to Uh, like many people, is Steve Jobs. I mean, keep pushing the buttons because at least this way you are coming up with the best ideas and solutions and don't uh, think or be afraid that people and leaders will not be in agreement. Why? Involve them. Ask them, would you like this? Would you not like that? What about this? And even when you get challenging opinions, embrace them because they are giving you opinions and perspectives that are different. And I've all, I always firmly believe feedback is a gift, both positive and not so positive, because when people are still giving you feedback, they care. Absolutely. Yes. That's, I was, as you were saying that, I was like, if they're giving you feedback, that means that they care about it. The minute that they stop, that is when you should be really, really concerned. Um, if I could sum that up into into one word in terms of kind of your advice to, to, to the C-suite, it's it's openness. It's being open um, in many different regards and to, to ideas, to new ways of thinking, to apparently a brand new world that we're com- till, still figuring out would be openness. If you'll let me summarize that. <laughs> Absolutely. And well said, because a new norm is still in the design mode of what mm-hmm. the workplace and the work organization is going to look like. Yeah, design, that's right. We're all in design mode, right? You've said, you've said it. We're all writing the playbook. The playbook doesn't exist. So I think that we is- all are in design mode. <laughs> yeah. That- yeah. I love it. I, I absolutely absolutely. Do. Yeah. Once we start coming out of this pandemic, we are all in this new design mode as well. So the work environment, the workplace, how we work, all of this is going to continuously change and evolve. And it's going to be fascinating and interesting to see certainly the next five to 10 years. I think that's a great place for us to, to stop for today. And I, I want to thank you um, so much for sharing your time with us. You have shared so many experiences, how you have worked with Affinitive 
and experimented and transitioned and been, you know, been okay with being uncomfortable, been okay with not knowing all the answers, um, which is sometimes, of course, hard for us to to actually say out loud, right? Um, And I think that, you know, anyone's listening can walk away with quite a few different learnings, whether it's how to be more comfortable experimenting, whether it's the importance of feedback, or whether it's uh, very important leadership soft skills, such as, you know, being okay with uh, ambiguity or, you know, trying to cultivate more openness within you, within yourself. So I hope that you've enjoyed your, your, your time uh, as much as I did. Um, and we're actually lucky enough to have you on for another, another episode coming soon. So I want, again, thank you so much. Uh, did, I hope you enjoyed yourself. Did you enjoy yourself today? I hope so. <laughs> I did. I did. And thank you so much for your time. I, 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 I'm always uh, happy to assist in any which way. As I said, all of us are in this together. And uh, for your kind words, I appreciate the time as well. And my only one final remark with all of this is this truly is a testament to the A-team, as we call ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, our people have uh, risen up and they have just continued to shine since this pandemic started. So this is not about the leadership team. This truly is a testament and a credit for the A-team uh, that we have. And so uh, I'm thrilled and give all the credit to our people. That's awesome. Um, I, I, w- I would agree with that. I don't know where I would be without the rest of my team. And they they make it easy to come to work every day or log on to work. I guess coming to work is about a 10-step 10 steps to my office, but you know, um, so anyways, I want to wrap up. I want to thank our listeners for tuning into our pep talk today. Um, you can listen to this podcast, uh, our upcoming podcast, um, and subscribe to our podcast for more upcoming episodes featuring people leaders across different industries. And until next time, thanks again to Tushard. Thanks again to our listeners and have a, have a wonderful rest of your day, wherever you are. Thank you all.